This is the Mormon Mixed Faith Marriage Podcast with Certified Life Coach, Brooke Booth, episode number 110. Okay, we're talking about self-care today. No surprise to most of you, a faith transition and a mixed faith marriage can be a lot to work through and a lot to process and a lot to deal with. It can be a lot. Okay, I'm going to turn off my heater, so it's going to make a beeping noise in the background. Sorry about that. (laughs) So when I say that, you know, if you're in a mixed-faith marriage or you've had a faith transition, I'm probably preaching to the choir a little bit when I say let's incorporate a little bit of self-care. I'm sure it's a concept that makes sense. And that's what's so funny about self-care is we're like, yeah, 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 take care of yourself. They do that, but we don't always know how or why or what or anything. It's really very common for me to end my coaching calls, the like super intense coaching calls. There's been maybe a lot of emotion or a lot of things we're working through by telling my client to really go and practice some self-care. And I may tell them like, do whatever it is you do when you start to feel yourself getting sick. Like maybe that's extra water, extra sleep, whatever you do, do that. <laughs> because what I think of is my mother. When we would go to her as children, you know, complaining of like maybe a sore throat or swollen lymph nodes or something. You know, hey, we're just starting to get sick. She would march us over to the medicine cabinet or drawer, wherever she kept her stuff. And she would um, fill our arms with, remedies and vitamins and suggestions and things to take. And I think we need to do this same thing with ourselves in these mixed faith marriages impacted by faith transition. We need to learn how to practice self-care and like metaphorically that's marching yourself over to the medicine cabinet and taking care of yourself or getting more sleep or getting more water or whatever. It is no joke going from a same faith marriage into a mixed faith marriage. It's no joke having a faith transition or being married to somebody who's having a faith transition. When we have major transitions, we need extra care. We need major self-care. I know self-care is a bit of a buzzword. And a lot of people just think of like, what am I supposed to do? Like take bubble baths and get fancy beverages. It's, If that works for you, absolutely. But I think a lot of times it's a little bit more nuanced than just that. I like to think of self-care as a combination between self-development and self-love, gentleness for oneself. What I'm going to do is I talk about it. I'm going to talk about four pillars of self-care that I am completely getting from a book that was recently published by Dr. Pooja uh, Laksh. I might be pronouncing that slightly off to cause herself puja a lot. Um, She just recently published a book about self-care and she talks about these four pillars. Now I'm going to take the four pillars and sort of use my own language and my own ideas talking about them here as it applies to a mixed faith marriage. So what I'm going to say here is no way a spoiler to her book. I'm just taking these four concepts and then riffing off of them. I'm so If you want to read her book, I'm not going to spoil it (laughs) by any stretch. I'm going to basically tell my version of these four pillars and how to apply them in a mixed faith marriage. 
So the four pillars that she outlines are one, boundaries, two, self-compassion, three, values-based decision, and four, self-empowerment. So very little about bubble baths and things there. This, I think, if we can really incorporate this type of self-care and and define self-care in this way, I think we can make a fundamental shift in how we treat ourselves. Okay, boundaries. Let's talk about this one first. Now, I will make one comment that she makes in her book, just because I thought it was such an interesting comment, and then I'll talk about boundaries the way I do. But she did say, and I think she was spot on in saying this is that boundaries are sometimes as something we like it's a privilege. Um not everybody always can set and maintain boundaries depending on power differentials and in, in any number of things. And I I think that's worth saying. Sometimes when we're able to use and enforce boundaries effectively, it is a little bit of a privilege. Okay, with that said, what I like to teach about boundaries is that it is what you will do in certain situations, not getting others, not prescribing what others will do in certain situations, not getting others to be different, not controlling others, not telling others what to do or not do. It is all about what you are going to do in a certain situation. Again, I'll say it again, not about what others will do in a certain situation. So a lot of boundaries, and especially the kind that I think fall under self-care, especially, are self-imposed. So yeah, there might be boundaries of like, you know, if you hit me, I'm going to leave this relationship. I think the self-imposed boundaries are some of the ones that need the most attention. And it may sound like things like, I will no longer do this thing to myself. I will no longer beat myself up when. I will no longer shame myself when I will no longer say yes when I mean no or no when I mean yes. I think these types of self-imposed boundaries can be a very effective form of self-care. I will no longer shame myself when I wear a tank top. I will no longer um, beat myself up when my spouse decides not to go to church I will no longer say yes when I mean no to teaching a lesson or signing up for an assignment or whatever. Okay, pillar number two, self-compassion. This one's not always easy. (laughs) We already have established it's not easy to have a faith transition and it's not always easy to be in a mixed faith marriage, especially when there are really big differences. Sometimes what will happen is because it's not easy, because there are differences and challenges, sometimes we act out. Maybe we're angry over something or frustrated over something. And from time to time, we act out, we lash out, we don't exercise our best behavior. Personally, I know I tend to lash out when I'm hurt. Like when there is hurt and disappointment, the elbows can fly. I lash out. I say things that aren't always the kindest or most helpful. And this is where I like to use self-compassion. Without applying self-compassion, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll focus on my quote-unquote bad behavior, what I did wrong. I'll focus on me lashing out. But when I can exercise self-compassion, what I focus on instead is like, what's behind this lashing out? 
this quote unquote bad behavior. Why did I lash out? What's behind that? Am I hurt? Am I sad? Am I grieving? What's going on? And then with self-compassion, how can I take care of that? That underlying hurt and pain. So often when there's lashing out or quote unquote bad behavior, we want to address the behavior and fix it and make it stop. And I think a self-compassionate approach is to look at what's behind the bad behavior. Why, why, what is there hurt? Is there pain? Is there, what's behind that? And let's address that. Another aspect to consider around self-compassion is when there's been a fate transition, sometimes we need to exercise self-compassion for the decisions we made in the past. Self-compassion for ourselves six days ago, six months ago, six years ago, 16 years ago, and exercise some real self-compassion for who we were and the decisions we made at one time in our marriage. Okay, pillar number three, values-based decisions. Okay, this is one of my favorite things to teach my clients. And they really liked looking at it as like a tool or a skill to hone for developing self-care. Now I have a full podcast on value-based decisions. So go and find that if you really want a deep dive, but in a nutshell, what value-based decisions is, is when you have a decision to make, what are the value or values guiding that decision, underpinning that decision, fueling, motivating, inspiring that decision? So kind of a simple approach is drinking coffee, right? If your value is based on the word of wisdom, you're not going to drink coffee because that's your value. But if your value is maybe exploration or autonomy or self-determination, okay, you can like, that's fine. Coffee isn't going to be against your values. I want to say this really clearly. Only you get to choose your values. Only you get to choose your values. And in order to make value-based decisions, you have to do a pretty deep dive into your values, pretty deep exploration. And this can take some work. A lot of times I've noticed with myself and my clients is we have a pretty narrow lens that we look at values. And I like to crack that open a little bit and and give a little bit of space. Exploration can be a value. Self-determination can be a value. Variety can be a value. Following the prophet can be a value. The word of wisdom can be a value. You get to choose your values. And when you live according to those values, when you have values-based decisions, it's such a lovely place to be because it can be such an aligned, um, like peaceful because there's there isn't that discordant or cognitive dissonance playing out. Okay, pillar number four, self-empowerment. For me, self-empowerment is all about doing things from like a clean, powerful place, not people-pleasing, not from fear, not from avoidance. It's a really clean, powerful place. Now, I believe self-empowerment is you're able to really step into it after you're able to know and own and share your preferences 
effectively, sharing them effectively. This can take quite a bit of work. We talked about this in a recent podcast, talked about communication, four pillars of communication. And one of them was like knowing and then sharing your preferences. It's absolutely necessary for self-empowerment too. So self-empowerment, like in order to achieve it, do need to do have, you need to do quite a bit of internal work, have quite a bit of self-awareness and self-accountability. So I'll give you some example. Self-empowerment is when you're really honest with yourself too. Like knowing you're really tired. Like if I was really tired, a self-empowerment move wouldn't be to make a really complicated dinner. That's going to take a lot of prep and a lot of cleanup. And maybe the kids aren't going to really like anyway. So self-empowerment is making that decision and then not beating myself up for maybe making a really simple dinner like scrambled eggs and smoothies. That's one of my go-to simple dinners. Self-empowerment is like knowing what my preferences are, being really clear with myself, not shaming myself for my energy level or my preferences, like being aware of you know where I'm at and what I need, not doing more than I have the capacity to do and not beating myself up for maybe making things a little bit simpler. Okay, let's apply it to church. Like leaving the church, stepping away from church attendance, even when others are not going to approve, even when uh, you know it's going to cause waves in your marriage or your extended family, because you know it's what you need can be a form of self-empowerment. Going to church when your spouse steps away can equally be a form of self-empowerment. So again, it's coming from a very clean and powerful place, not from people-pleasing, not from fear, and not from avoidance, from really knowing your preferences, owning them, and sharing them effectively. These are all the hallmarks of self-empowerment. So the actions, the, how it demonstrates or how it manifests can look very different for different people. Let me go over the four um, pillars of self-care. Boundaries, self-compassion, values-based decision-making, and self-empowerment. If you find yourself in a mixed-faith marriage, take some time to look at this. Like, What's your definition of self-care? Does it need a little updating? Does it need a little polishing? Is that definition working for you? Take a few minutes to evaluate your actual self-care practices. Is there an area you need to focus on this week? That's one thing you can do this week to incorporate a little bit more self-care, especially if you're in a mixed faith marriage due to a faith transition. Now, and I don't even care if it was like two years ago or five years ago or 10 years ago, I'm guessing this still applies. And my phase transition was over five years ago now. And this is still something I'm actively practicing, actively practicing in my life and in my marriage. If you need help with this, you want more support with your mixed faith marriage, as always, reach out to me at brookboothcoaching.com. You can get a consult. We can talk face-to-face. Or I've got this great home study course where you can do a lot of this work, self-guided study full of video modules and exercises and worksheets to really get your mixed faith marriage to a thriving place. 
Wishing you the very best.